Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. My name is Dan Renault. For some of you guys who don't know me, I'm a pastor out at Lee Summit, uh, Living Faith Lee Summit. And so uh, we wanted to get started while Brandon's getting ready. Uh, we cover a lot of material yesterday, and maybe if this is your first time hearing some of that, uh, you had a question, but the question didn't fully form until we already had prayed and we were eating lunch. And so we wanted to give just a, a short season where we could still answer questions. And so one of the questions that I, I wanted to start off with, and maybe you guys can be thinking about it when we um, uh, you know, open the floor, I think it was Christy who asked the question, you know, how do you, how do, you do family discovery Bible method? And uh, it was kind of thought, okay, well, like with your own family, uh, we, we kind of walked through that. But, but then one of the thoughts is, well, no, how would you do that with other families? How would you invite other families as well who have children? And I'll say this, that, that that's one of the things that, that we've worked through and, and I would say maybe even struggled with as a church since I left being the pastor of Kaya and then became a senior pastor working with adults who have children and, and ministries like that. And I'll say this, one of the ways that we've tried to tackle that, if you're trying to begin a, like a family-style Bible study or a, or a co-ed Bible study or a Bible study that has children, um, you cannot just assume that the kids will be okay. The, the, the layer of complexity that enters when you're now dealing with families and they're hoping to bring their children with them, uh, it, it really is difficult to explain the level of complexity that enters in. And so if you're just like, man, we wanna do a Bible study, they got kids, it's cool, let's just go forward, you really have to think through that. And I, I would like to say this, that you have to have at least two solid families that are, that are, if, if you're wanting to make this evangelistic in nature, if you're wanting to reach out to your community, your neighborhood, maybe you're wanting to bring coworkers and their kids to your house in some regard, you need to have at least one person or some type of tag team to where there's a facilitator with the adults, but there's also some type of maybe even possibly facilitator with the kids. Otherwise, it becomes a very strong burden on one individual or it becomes, um, it just becomes difficult to manage. And so if you, the, the complexity grows when you have a family. The complexity grows when you have uh, children also attending. I found you, right? But if you, if you have another family that says, hey, we're with you. We wanna support this. We wanna help reach this community. Um, you gotta take the children just as seriously as you take the adults, I'm not always saying that you gotta do a Bible study with the kids, but I'll tell you, the way that we got started as a church is we started reaching the neighborhoods in Lee Summit and people started coming to our Bible study on Sunday nights. And by the end of it, we had 20 kids in the basement and 30 adults upstairs. Are we just supposed to like do nothing with the kids and just like turn the TV on? It would not work. And I'll tell you, it was a a big effort on our part to not only manage, but envision the children and actually have a Bible study for the kids as well. And so if, if for those of you who are maybe transitioning into you know, a different stage of life or you're, you've already been there and you're thinking like, DBM sounds awesome um, and it sounds great, how do I do that? And then the moment all of a sudden someone brings their little kids over, you're, you're going, I didn't think about this, right? You have to think about that, and you have to think about the complexity of how that, that operates, and you have to plan for essentially two different Bible studies in some way, and someone or a team of people needs to be responsible for not just watching those kids, but trying to find a way to envision them as well. And so I, I didn't want to spend too much time on that, but I hope that helps. you got to focus on the kids as well, because those people who maybe they don't know the Lord or maybe they haven't been equipped in the Lord, um, they're going to notice it. And, and, and if they don't notice it, their kids will find a way for them to notice it. And the kids will then become, forgive me, a distraction though. They will become, because you haven't planned accordingly. So you gotta make sure that you're planning for that too. Uh, for those of you who have, who have kids or families or you're trying to reach families, plan for the entire family on how you'll minister to them in that way. 
So, Anyone else have questions, though, in regards to what was covered yesterday? Uh, maybe you had a question yesterday, but we weren't able to get to it. Wow, you did such a good job. I think so. Uh, um, so that's okay. If you have questions, you can continue to reach out to us and, and, and um, ask those questions. And hopefully what we're doing today. Bye, Dan. You're leaving? So That was quick. Well, we're partners. We're like, we're supposed to be a team. Um, so at, at this time, we, we might as well get right into practicing what we're talking about. Okay, and so with that... I would like all of the group leaders, they've been designated in advance and they're prepared to lead today, uh, to please stand up. They're situated in different places within the, the room. Now, what you, I wanna, before we get into it, I want you to note that all of these people are in their 20s, okay? And that's only because uh, these are the, the folks that I've trained and these are the folks I have access to. And so uh, if you can get over the fact that they're, they, they have baby faces, your eye, you still have a baby face. You're, you're a cutie. The top of your head looks like a baby's, too. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. Keep the mood light. Yeah. Uh, and so each of these folks have been trained for years, even, in Discovery Bible Method. Your eye has been doing Discovery Bible Method for five-plus years. And so there's, these folks are familiar with the process, and we're going to walk through it together so everyone feels comfortable. And then um, we'll pause at certain times within the process of doing the Bible study so that you can ask questions and so that Dan and I both, we're a team, right? You're going to help me on this? Yes. Uh, can address questions as they come up. Is that cool? All right, so there's a lot of people in this room. And um, I'm hoping that the Bible studies groups aren't too big. I, I was thinking we'd have like maybe 70 people in here, and I think it's over 100 maybe. So uh, we'll see if, if Dan and I have to lead a small group or something, or we have to, like, Havila could probably lead right now if need be. There's a handful of you that could probably lead. So we want to try to keep groups to, to 8 to 10 max. And so if you can move, girls with girls if possible, guys with guys if possible. So as best you can, kind of encircle uh, a little bit around each other so that you can all see each other, hear each other easily. And then we'll begin to, we'll begin to walk through the process. All right. Okay, so as I said before, uh, yesterday, we're, we're going to kind of remind you and... Tad, if you want to bring up that PowerPoint, it might be helpful. But we're going to walk through the process here. It'll take us about an hour to do it. You're going to see how it works. Everybody here has some preconceptions about Bible study. That's okay. Um, we're going to show you how we do it. Uh, if you want to alter things or change things, uh, you know, that's, that's totally fine. Uh, but we're going to show you how we do Discovery Bible Method and what's, been, uh, what's worked for us. Now, as we said, uh, we always invite the Lord to be with us in Bible study uh, because without his help, we are going to fumble through uh, what, he's con he, what he calls divine. Uh, we will muddle it up and we'll mess it up. We want to hear from the Lord. So let's go ahead and just a couple people in the group. Jorge, maybe designate one person. And then, you know, the leader uh, will close in prayer. So maybe one person pray and then the leader pray. And then we'll get into it. We want to ask the Lord to be with us in our study. Okay, go ahead and do that right now. Um, so once you finish praying, go ahead and begin reading. And as we talked about yesterday... You're going to begin by reading silently in your heart. We're going to be in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Read through the whole passage, and then your Bible study leader will bring you back together, and you'll work around the circle reading through the passage. Okay, go ahead. So, just real quick. So as you finish reading around the group, this is the moment. So if you go to the next slide, that we're going to talk about theme. All right? And so your Bible study leader is going to invite you into a conversation about the themes specifically of the entirety of the passage, not just a chunk or a portion, but we're going to try to establish the theme, okay? So at the point that you've decided on a theme, maybe you're still working on that. Again, the Bible study's leader's job is to hear from several people who are willing to contribute and then to synthesize that theme in the best way they can in a single statement and say something to the effect of it. It sounds like Based on what I'm hearing, we've gathered that this is the theme of the passage. Again, this might reflect the way a personal Bible study or a pastor might be studying for a sermon would look, okay? So they might see several small themes 
or they might see several verses that represent a theme, but then they would again synthesize that for the sake of their sermon. The Bible study leader is going to do the same thing. After you've done that, the next step is going to be really the longest step, and that's to break down the chunks. And so I'm going to actually give you quite a bit of space here. Um, we'll stop a couple times just to talk about some things to consider. Uh, hopefully the Bible study leaders are showing you as they go. Like they're leading you, but then also saying, and hey, by the way, side note, and they're pointing out to you things. But we're going to begin breaking down the chunks, which is this next part, the dissection of the passages. And so the Bible study leader or, might ask someone in the group to read that chunk again. Would you please read verses one through whatever? Read that again, and then let's start, let's start talking about it. And the Bible study leader's job is to begin asking questions then based on those verses uh, they want to do things like point out words that are difficult. In this passage, uh, we've, got, um, we've got the phrase, prince of the power of, air, of the air, right? That's a fairly difficult concept. Uh, the word quickened shows up, right? And these are words that people in your small group, especially if they're not saved, are not going to know what they mean. And so it's time to do word studies, and it's time to break this down and figure out maybe what the theme of this chunk is. And then by the time you get through this chunk, the Bible study leader will, synth will synthesize that as well, and they'll say, okay, so what we basically studied is saying such and such and such. Now let's move on to the next chunk, okay? And you, again, you don't have to use the word chunk, right? If that, that's fairly grotesque. But, but I'm going to go ahead and let you get into it, and then uh, we'll, we'll pause. Uh, Dan and I might stop you here or there just to, to, uh, to help along the way. Okay, guys, so uh, you continue doing what you're doing. One of the things that Brandon and I were discussing is that there's also an opportunity as a facilitator to encourage Bible study principles during this time. Um, I heard some people, you know, this might be a word that we're not, we're not familiar with. I think I heard Carly say that. That's a really valuable thing to say. And then so you start to encourage the use of a concordance. Maybe you're encouraging the team on how to use like a, a, a Bible app to where you're not carrying, carrying the whole concordance with you, but you have learned how to download it. So you can look at the first mention of a word. You can see how that word gets cross-referenced. And so as a facilitator, this is a great time as you're trying to fully exhaust the text, you can also throw in. Now, don't throw in all 17. Okay, this is not the day to to give them every single Bible study principle in Mark Trotter's book, okay? Um, but, you know, you know, we can talk about the first mention. We could talk about a full mention. And honestly, whenever I'm leading a Bible study, if I can give the people, lost or saved, one thing to take home, not just out of the text, but maybe like a principle, that can be really valuable. And so this is a good opportunity. After people have started to, to jump into the text, there's a time like, hey, that's a great point, you know, that's actually one of our Bible study principles is we need to figure out how this word and how God interprets his word, not how we think or what we think, but how does God define this? Let's see all the other times that he uses this in the scriptures. Do you guys follow that? Now, one of the things that I'd also suggest as a little bit of a warning, we want to use cross-references, but for a person who's unfamiliar with the Bible and all of a sudden you're just going like, here's Proverbs, here's Psalms, here's Galatians, they might not understand what you're doing fully. And so we always are wanting to use cross-references, comparing spiritual with spiritual, right? First Corinthians chapter two. We're using cross-references to always go back and support the text. Right now it's Ephesians chapter two. You guys get that? Rather than it feeling like it's just like some random, like we're hopping around the Bible so you can say what you want it to say. Now, now that might be a little bit of a, uh, a sarcastic read or maybe a cynical read, but if they're not submitted to the Bible and if the Bible is not the final authority and then you're just making a point here and turn over here and then turn over here, it can sometimes your cross-references, which you know is a biblical process, actually can look like you're just trying to get to your own little conclusion. So we, we incorporate cross-referencing, but I, I like to use this word. We want to exhaust the passage. Sometimes pastors, preachers, you know, small group leaders, we will leave a passage too quickly and then we're living in cross-reference land and then we get back to Ephesians 2. Do you see what I mean? And they're like, no, we, did, we read it once quietly. <laughs> and then we just read verse to verse and then we jumped into cross-references. Do you guys understand my heart for this? At some point, we gotta go deep. And the way we get deep into the word is not just stay in Ephesians 2. What do we have to do? 
We gotta look at other places in the Bible. So you gotta do cross-referencing. And as the facilitator, it's your responsibility in the very beginning to create and, and help the group understand the historical doctrinal themes of the passage. You guys with me on this? And so in some way, you're going to be establishing that when you lead the group first two minutes. Hey guys, I just wanna remind you, this is where we were at last week and this is kind of what we're talking about. This is the historical, this is the doctrinal. Are we good? Remember, we saw this also in Colossians. And then we go back into it, but as the more we look to exhaust the text and cross-references are supporting the text, that helps for a new person to realize that the Bible can be the final authority, that it's going to be the final authority of their lives. So anyway, I don't know if there's anything you need to say. I, I just want to make sure I'm addressing, I just realized uh, Tad told me there's about 30 people who are joining us online who aren't getting to participate, um, but, they, but they want the principles and they're hungry to learn how to do this. And so... Um, I just want to invite you that, that as, as Dan and I speak, just listen along and try to do this on your own and think about how you might do it. Uh, we apologize that this isn't conducive. Maybe uh, next time we do this, we could turn it into Zoom meetings and break, do breakout groups in a Zoom context. But, so we apologize for that, but, but do try to follow along as best you can. Pull up, if the PDF of the, of the PowerPoint or the handout from yesterday is still available, pull that up and try to follow along with us as best you can. Dan's point is really good. We need to always come back to the themes of the passage and point out the doctrinal things as leaders. Here's some of the things you might have considered already. How to define words, but then once you define the words, bring them back into the, the context of the passage. So the word conversation is a, is a strange word. We use that word differently today than it's used in the passage. So you establish the definition, you bring it back into the passage, and then you make sure that definition fix is, uh, fits within the context of what you're reading. Then again, uh, as you close out a chunk, you want to make sure everyone fully understands and is participating in the full understanding of that particular portion of Scripture before you move on to the next section. Okay, and so we are really going to turn you loose here in a second and let you finish out portion two and three. Um, but before we do that, I do want to give an opportunity. If, does anybody have questions about what we've done so far, uh, things that you don't quite understand or or that you want to address um, that haven't been addressed? Nobody, this is like the most compliant group of individuals. No one's, no one's thinking about this in terms of going back home and like, hey, oh, what will happen when I try to do this or no one's got any questions? Yeah, Nathan. Okay. You're going to have to ask that question again in a sec. Uh, when you're, like, preparing for your Bible study at home or beforehand, how do you, like, determine beforehand, like, how much you want to go through so you, you're not, like, too much so you don't overstudy, like, go too far? Yeah, yeah. Or understudy, like, and have to cut the Bible study short because you didn't have enough? So I'll start by saying there's no such thing as overstudying. Uh, there is such thing as overthinking. And so pastors make this mistake all the time. You hear pastors who try to fit too much into a sermon. Every young pastor does this. I've never you know, done you, you study for 48 hours, you know, and then you want to preach for 48 hours. This is the only way to get it all done. It ain't going to work. You got to fit all that time of study into a shorter time frame. And so there is wisdom in, as a shepherd, in thinking about what the flock needs. And so you, you make sure that what you take note of and what you bring into the, the study in a small group context is what the, what the flock needs. And so you've got to temper back. Now a question might come up and you'll have been studied. You weren't gonna bring that thing up, but a question got asked and you're prepared. So you do wanna to study to show yourself approved, right? Um, and, and the Lord will, will use you when those questions come up. You wanna be instant in season, out of season. But at the same time, you do wanna limit yourself and the outline that you bring into the study should be uh, a a, a simpler version of what you've, you've studied. It's got to have questions. It's got to have a few things that you're going to study out. You've, gotta, you, you've got some things in mind that you want to get done. Make sure you have those things listed. I often tell my Bible study leaders, depending on how good they are with the scriptures, maybe they've had hermeneutics through LFBI, and they're, very, they're, they're students of the Bible. They know how to get around. It might only take an hour or two of study, two max, for them to be completely prepared. I think there, is a, there can be a problem if a Bible study leader who's young and is new to this, if you study for six hours a passage, 
there's a good time you're gonna, you're gonna create a traffic jam. You're gonna be the bottleneck for the group and you really shouldn't do that. You need to keep your mouth shut and let the group do the study. The beauty is that when you're done, you should have what's the equivalent of a sermon that the group put together, not you put together. Does that make sense? Does that and, help? And if I can just say, uh, synthesis is a very important word. And I'll say I'm, I'm just as guilty of not doing that in my own Bible study. So I gather and gather all of my study, but I don't take the time, which we need to take the time, to synthesize that material to where we're, we're funneling it down into what I need to present. Um, because if you have everything that you've studied, you're going to be like a fire hydrant going off. And uh, it, you're not being cognizant of the setting. You know, and, and so as we synthesize, that's an opportunity for us to say, okay, these are the things that I really know I need to say. I've done all this other stuff as well, which is great, but this is what needs to be found. And that's where you also have the heart of a shepherd for the group when you're starting to think like, okay, yeah, I've learned all these things, but what does, what does God want to show our, our group and how can I be used as a facilitator in that too? So we have to synthesize yeah. uh, properly. And to that, to that point, before we, I know there's a question over here. The, there are people in our church that are doing Discovery Bible Method and they're learning how to do it. The biggest hindrance, they'll come and they say, we're doing it, but it just doesn't seem to be producing what we want it to. It's always the same problem, okay? The facilitator thinks they're a teacher and they can't get over it. And they want to teach and they want to talk and they consume. If, a Bible if the Bible study leader takes up more than a quarter of the dialogue, that's, that's actually just, that's gross to me. Like it doesn't, that's, you're talking too much, you're doing too much. This is a Bible study everyone's supposed to be involved in. That's what makes, that's what distinguishes this from other Bible studies that we know is that the Bible study leader is actually promoting study and teaching how to study versus being the, the you know, professor or the talking head. Yeah, so Luke. when you uh, are trying to like promote conversation and you feel like nobody's like, really wanting to talk is are there like some best practices to kind of maybe strategize around that and try yeah. to get people to that's a great that's a great question and Dan I have something to add to this but I, I think the biggest thing is recognizing what appropriate questions to ask and so a lot of times people aren't speaking up because they're intimidated and and they're afraid that you're going to ask them or, or ask them to be involved in something that they don't know how to do First of all, we're showing people how to do things, so that's good, that's encouraging, but you need to ask simple questions for people who are introverted and are a little bit afraid to participate. And so you save those, those easier questions for them and you ask them directly and you use their name and you look them in the eye and you, you treat them with kindness uh, and with a gentle voice. Um, I, I always think of Zacchaeus when I think of this type of person, right? Uh, who's someone who wants to participate, they're eager to participate, but they've, they've kind of hidden themselves away. They're, they're observers, if you will. Uh, Jesus did an amazing job of acknowledging the observer who may be af afraid to participate, and he engaged them. And we need to do that too. It requires love. And then in order to promote that and to, to promote more dialogue with that individual, maybe it's an individual or two, it's, it might take people in the Bible study who are leaders spending time with them one-on-one -on -one and making them feel like they're a part. So this is where you go out to coffee, you love on them, you show them that they are a part of your little family. And then when they, you come back to a Bible study context, they will be more eager to participate. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that, that sometimes you, what you're planning for is the next Bible study. Yeah. So you have, you have coffee or even just after the Bible study, be like, hey, man, how'd you like it? And da-da-da-da. And then, and then you can have that personal conversation. And then they can begin to have the dialogue with you more. So really, this Bible study's over, but you're planning for the next now. So, so you've shown value to them. You've, you've shown affection for them. And so next time, you know, they're feeling more comfortable with you. Then when you ask a question, they're more able to yeah. possibly jump in. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things about Discovery Bible Method is that you are trying to, you want another conversation. This is like a sales technique, I think. I don't know much about sales. But um, one of the things you want is you're trying to get a second conversation. Right? The first conversation is, you don't, the only objective is to get a second conversation and then a third conversation. You want them to come to Bible study next week and the next week and the next week. Friendship is the thing that they're looking for. Okay, what they need is the Bible. <laughs> what they need is salvation. What they need is deliverance. They don't know that. What they're looking for is friendship. 
And you can provide that to them, and then you can feed them scripture uh, you know, within, the, within the, 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 the conduit of friendship and, and dialogue. Okay? Yeah. Um, Gabe Jones. Yes, Gabe Jones. Um, so where would you suggest starting, like, if, so I'm one with two of my best friends that are in the Navy. It's not, I can't be with them personally, but like I, over Zoom, over FaceTime, like, where would you suggest starting at in the Bible because they don't really have any Bible knowledge. Yeah. Um, I started kind of like a couple weeks back, like in first John or no, just John first chapter, uh, with one of them and kind of just kind of broke down like what the concept of Jesus is and like who he is. Mm. But would you suggest starting somewhere else, like with creation or just starting on the foundation of like who Jesus is and like what the purpose of us being Christians are? This is a really good question. Always Daniel and Revelation. Uh, right? We're either going to do it or we're not, right? Well, no, I'm joking. Maybe Job? Uh, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so, uh, this is good because if, if the Discovery Bible method for us has always been an opportunity to reach the lost. And so, uh, Dan's going to talk about creation to Christ tomorrow because you can actually use that curriculum in a Discovery Bible method context. He's going to talk about how to do that. But uh, John is obviously a great place to be, and that'll take you two years to get through that potentially, right? Like it, it's, it's week after week after week of coming together. John is a great place to be. Uh, the Pauline epistles is a really great place to be. Um, it's, it's more of an issue of what it is that they need versus what it is you want. I mean, you could go to Hebrews and study Hebrews. You could do this that way. But again, is that achieving what we want it to achieve? And so even yesterday, Dan and I and Mike were talking about, man, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, those books, you could just go through that and rotate through that for 20 years and teach that stuff and have Bible study over that and you'd still be gleaning wonderful, wonderful things. And they are very evangelical and they they do establish a foundation for what church life and discipleship should be, right? So that would be a great place to go. Uh, When you get in, again, when you get into like the general epistles, ah, yeah, yeah, 1 John is great, but there's places that you wanna maybe be careful about because if you're not equipped to address the issues, I actually have done Hebrews in Discovery Bible Method. But I had a lot of mature believers in that Bible study, and it was a, it was a safe place to study. But uh, it is, you know, if you're trying to be evangelical, there's other better places. Dan, you want to add anything to that? John is great. Yeah. And, and creation of Christ is great as well. Yep. So. Yeah. Cool. Any other questions before we get? Yeah, yeah Dave. Yeah, so, uh, hold up. Hold up. Just one second. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> So that was uh, actually my first question, so that's good. Uh, so there's, it sounds like there's two types of studies. One would be a topical study like Creation of Christ, and one would be a book study. And that was exactly my question is, if you're wanting it to be ev- evangelical in, in its context, then do we have some best practices of, hey, we've tried this and it worked okay, and we tried this, not so okay. And are there some like common pitfalls that you've identified over the years that, hey, this really works good and, you know, kind of give a template to follow to say, start here and do yeah. this. Um, so, so first of all, let me just make sure before Dan will cover this tomorrow, but creation of Christ is topical in a sense, but it is actual biblical exposition. So it we're just expositing passages that are very, very specific throughout Scripture. And so there's a jumping that we do, you know, from Genesis to maybe other places in Scripture. But really, uh, it is an expositional approach to those passages. And so, um, so that's, that is a critical aspect of Discovery Bible Method is that it is exposition. There really isn't space for, it doesn't really promote topical study. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, I haven't really done anything that doesn't work. Um, because we haven't decided to do, a pa- we haven't done any passages in scripture that are particularly difficult. We haven't done Matthew, which could be difficult. We haven't done Acts. I preached Acts in class because I want people to know that. And, uh, but we haven't done it in a, a, in a small group kind of, could you do it? Yes. Is it profitable? I don't know. You got to ask yourself that question. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. You've got to work through that. Uh, the way we do it in Kaya, it's a big fellowship. So what I do is I, we're, in Mar- we're doing Mark right now. There's some Difficult places in Mark. 
I prepare them in advance. I prepare the Bible study leaders in advance for that. They use one another to help work through, hey, how did you work through this particular thing in Mark? I divide Mark up in advance. So I think I broke it down into like 32, 31 or 32 parts. And then I gave them a, a, a certain amount of time that they need to finish that in. So get through the study in about this time. And then, uh, and then they go to work. And they check in with me if need be, but I, I help guide them. But for the most part, they do a great job. Mark's been a great place to be, teaching servant leadership and, and how Christ served us through coming to earth and putting on flesh. And it's been powerful. And we've seen salvations this year. So, um, yeah, I think you have to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Yeah, and I would say that, that being flexible, I don't know if this is on, yeah, being flexible. So if, if you have a game plan that we're going to get through all of John 1, and yet your, your actual group gets focused on the first five verses, then you need to go back to John 1 next week. Um, likewise, on the, on the flip side, if you're so tempted to go so deep and granular with the text and the group that you're with is just going like, you know, what is this about? Then you're not being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we can go on two, two extremes, that we have a system and we're gonna stay to the system no matter if we lose you or not, or we're going to go so deep and, and the group is going like, we, this is not where we're at. We have to be spirit-led each week to be responding as a facilitator and as a shepherd trying to see like where, where is either the group and a lot of times where is this other person? If you're trying to do DBM with just one other individual, am I losing this person? Or am I trying to, do I have my own agenda to where this, I've, because I got so much out of the Bible, I want you to as well. And so we deep dive and maybe you're not being sensitive to where they're at. And so we, can, we have to be flexible and sensitive to God's leading mm-hmm. either to, man, if I got to go back to John 1 again next week, we'll do it. If we got to do it for four weeks because you're getting that much closer to the gospel and knowing Christ, well, then I'm going to do whatever I need to do. We got to be flexible for that. Yeah. Um, at the same time, don't, don't be in John 1 for, you know, 14 weeks. Right. You know, like, I know you love it. I know you're deep diving, but... Maybe it's time to keep moving on. That's why it's good to listen to pastoral leadership where you have, hey, guys, I want us to walk through this, and you're helping them on a certain pathway too. So being flexible to spirits leading. And that reminds me, the granular thing, that sometimes happens when you have someone who wants to bogart the time in the group. And you you got to put the kibosh on that, okay? You can't let that go down. It happens all the time. You get somebody who comes in who's eager or zealous. Maybe they're a know-it-all. Uh, and uh, you got to treat them with love, what you do is you pull that. The best thing to do is early on, you, you see it as a pattern. They want to talk a lot. They're beginning to steal time away from other people participating. You want to meet with that person one-on-one and say, hey, this is just something I've observed, is that, is that you're taking a lot of the time in the group. And, and man, I love that. I love that you're so eager, but it is keeping the rest of the group from participating. And I just want to ask that, that you would maybe limit the amount of questions or the things that you say to three or four things throughout the evening. And that way it'll make sure that everybody has an opportunity to participate. If they're offended by that, well then maybe that's not a person to be in your Bible study, right? Maybe that's an opportunity to say to yourself, is this person really wanting what I have to offer? And if they don't want that, then just be kind enough to let them know like, Hey, there are other Bible studies and we love you, but man, this is a Bible study for everybody, not just you. And and I can't have you stealing all the time. It's just not going to work that way. God gave me the responsibility of leading the group and, and you're not the leader. I'm the leader, right? So you, you might have to have those hard conversations from time to time, but, but a lot of time they're worth it. And you're gonna, it's that pruning thing, right? That was Jeff talked about last night. Sometimes you gotta prune a little bit for the sake of the, the whole. So, okay, so with that, maybe there'll be more questions at the end. We, we've got 20 more minutes. Uh, get into the chunk two and chunk three. We're gonna leave you alone. So Bible study leaders, you are free to just go for it. And continue your study. Just, just so everybody knows, we've got about eight minutes, so we need to land the plane on wherever, whatever chunk you're in. Go ahead and land the plane. And then the next step um, Tattle put up there is, is going back to the application, the devotional application for your life. So hopefully... You've drawn out some doctrinal things. Uh, you've seen, man, you've seen about what salvation does to your life. You've seen some of the things, the promises that God has for people who uh, come to know him and, and accept him and receive him. And, and you are, you've got a perspective. Now you've got to reveal, man, from my life, 
It seems as though God is speaking this to me right now. It could be something very, very personal. It could be something about ministry. And then we're going to spend time at the very end praying about that. And I'd like to see us try to get done by about 11, 57, 58, and then we'll leave a little bit of room for questions at the end, okay? All right. Let's just, let's just come back briefly to our objective, okay, if, if we can. Uh, we've got several objectives by, by doing Discovery Bible Method, okay? Uh, the first one, the most obvious one, the one that we've talked about from the very beginning is that we want our Bible studies to be more evangelical. And so I'm hoping that even right now you can begin to see, just in what we've done, I mean, I know the groups were big and it, was, it wasn't, wasn't ideal. Maybe not everybody got to share as much as they wanted to. Uh, we didn't get to cover all the material. I kept interrupting. I know it just wasn't ideal. But um, I hope that you can see, I hope that you can get a glimmer of how this becomes a space where even lost people can come study the Bible and then glean something from it and be encouraged and in time, it might produce faith in them, right? Like, I hope that you can see that. Some of the other things I want you to notice is that, that um, every single person that led a group today um, are, are people that really got their, cut their ministry teeth in this context. And I want you to remember that, that when we hand away ministry, we give ministry away, that it does, to faithful people, it does produce naturally this is how God built it. This is how God built the world. It's how he built the natural world. It's how he built the spiritual world is it produces multiplication. And every single one of these young people that helped lead the group today, they've got someone that they're investing in so that that person can take that Bible study, divide it, and, and plant a Bible study somewhere else in the city. And so that is the objective is we want to disciple. We want to, we want to train people for church planting. We want to tra train people to be evangelical. We want pastors that are, uh, and leaders that are heartbroken and tore up about the city and about the people uh, in the city. And they, the, everywhere they go, they see lost souls. That's what we want. And, and doing Bible study and, and giving away ministry this way really does promote that and achieve that. And so um, I do want to leave a little... Dan, you want to add anything to that? ladies who couldn't join us, and so maybe we can answer that in just a second, but I don't have any conclusive statements, so if you need to conclude. That was my conclusion. Okay, um, okay. And if people have any other questions beyond this one, okay. we have maybe just a little bit of time before we need So to this move. was a question just asked about the word quickened. This is kind of specific to this Bible study, but at times, you know, the King James will use words that, that we're not familiar with, and uh, yeah, you can go to a, a, a dictionary, but I would highly encourage using a concordance to where you can look up how a word is used. Quicken would be one of those where you start seeing, you know, the, the way that word is used. And then the person realizes, oh, wow, God defines his own words. That's such a cool thing. And so then a person who is either lost or maybe new in their faith can, yeah, dictionaries, listen, it's cool. I'm not trying to be like, you know, boo dictionaries, but let's let God define his word. And as they start to learn how to do that and they find words that, and he, and he you know, he's quickened you. Like, what? <laughs> well, you can use examples, but you can also use, you know, a cross-reference or two to help give definition. Um, another thing was, and this is kind of a little bit granular, but sometimes words in the King James are in italics. And sometimes we're like, what's that about? Man, be up front with that. You know, the King James is a formal equivalence but it comes from another language. And so sometimes there's not an exact word that goes word for word. And so the translation process was in such to where they're very honest. They're very honest with their approach as to how that word was translated or how that phrase was translated. And in, in Ephesians 2, you see, you know, and you hath he quickened, that's an italics. And so it's like, can you explain that? Now that's getting a little bit in the weeds, but that was a question I had. And you'll have those questions as well. Don't try to fight about it. Don't try to spend 30 minutes answering it. But just, you know, you can quickly address it and move on. If, if, it, if you need to go further in some of those King James conversations, how do I say that's a good thing afterwards? Maybe get coffee with them. Talk to them afterwards. Don't let them bogart it. Let's, let's get back into it. You can give an answer. And if they have more requests, talk about that afterwards. But uh, you're going to have opportunity. And I'll tell you this. Rather than being afraid of all the King James words, allow the word of God to give clarity. Because then what really happens is you put it on its head. And now they realize, wait, you're saying that, that for a word I don't understand, that God will define it if I look it up in other passages? Yes. 
Well, now it's like, well, now I'm like MacGyver. You know, I can, I can do whatever I want with this Bible. I can start looking at the scriptures and it can get, start giving me answers. So anyway, hopefully that helps. Anyone else have questions as we conclude? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how do you navigate like using this, talking about like the facilitator and getting the group to come to a conclusion or like to find these studies when it's like a really small group? So like either two people or even, it, even using it like one-on-one, -on -one, like how do you navigate that where it feels like maybe as a facilitator you have to talk a lot because there's not a lot of just people to like input those thoughts? Like, how do you navigate that and find that balance? That's the question of someone who's sensitive, and that's good, that's good because it is different. The dynamics are different based on who's in the group and, and how many people you have in it. And if it's a smaller group, I mean, obviously, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, uh, then you've got to participate in the dialogue. It'll be real weird if you're sitting across from someone and you just ask them a million questions. <laughs> and like, what are you doing to me? Let's never do this again. Um, you've got like a spotlight, they're in a dark room. Answer my question. Uh, so the smaller the group is, the more you want there to be a give and take. And so you might offer something, but then when you start offering things, you could, it could get out of hand and you could start teaching again. You want to draw them into the text. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to do that. Some people are better at that than other people. Uh, but nonetheless, I do believe that even in a one-on-one -on -one or, or a group of three setting, uh, God wants to use you with an open Bible. And so trust the Lord, even if you're a little awkward or clunky, that's no big deal. God's bigger than that. And I think that there's ways, especially if it's more one-on-one -on -one or just a couple people, um, you can, as a facilitator, you can teach a point and end with a question. So then it's not just asking the question and looking at them. You give them the answer. So, so you've given them the answer. Manipulation. And then... <laughs> No, not manipulation. No, this is wisdom. There's wisdom. I'm just I'm messing with you. You give them the answer, but then you ask the question to see whether or not they're actually gathering your answer, right? Or maybe that will fuel another question. And so uh, open-ended questions, but, but sometimes even open-ended questions. Let's read it together. Da-da-da-da. Okay, and then you raise a question, and they're looking back at you like, I have no clue. You know, it reminds me of this, and as we walk through, I give the answer, but then like, so that makes me think, what do you think about this as we consider this in the text? So then you're leading them. You've already given them the answer, but then you're leading them further in discussion. So. There's a question right back here. Okay. Oh. You're good. Okay. Um, so in order to start dialogue, do you ever, uh, or what do you tell people to ask themselves, like especially lost people? Um, what are they looking for in, that, in order to start asking questions? Um, like I know she talked about uh, repetitive words or just words you don't know, but what are you telling them like in the points to where they're reading themselves? Um, hey, you might want to look for something like this or that, other than just repetitive words and something they might yeah. not know in order so to ask what I, a question. What, one of the things that I instruct uh, Bible study leaders to do is to encourage that there be what I maybe refer to as like safe people in the group. Not saved, safe. Like, like people who are, uh, have some knowledge of the word, who've been in Bible study a while, they need to strategically position themselves next to the visitors. Okay, and the reason for that is this. Uh, when the tougher questions, first of all, the tough questions should be directed at the group or at people who are mature. The easier questions should be directed at the newer people. Uh, and, but when a question gets asked of the group, then that allows that safe person to say, hey, I, I know you've never used a concordance before. Let me show you how to do this. And you can break out for moments in the group. There could be moments where people break out together for four or five minutes um, where the questions say the question is, um, can you guys spend a few minutes looking for a picture type of the, the doctrine here? Can you find a picture type of this in the Old Testament? It's a fun exercise. And people pair up, they get to work, you give them five minutes, they come back together, and now that person has participated, even though they might not have something to offer in terms of speech, 
they're participating because they've paired up with someone and they've done an activity together. Um, but again, I think crafting easy questions, maybe of more of a devotional sort, is better for the newer people. The more doctrinal, heavier questions, you can reserve those for people who, who are, are growing. Is that, does that help? Is that what you mean? Person or, sorry, I have to talk loud now. Um, like smaller things, uh, kind of like what she said, like the repeating words, or is there anything that God specifically is saying? Or how do I tell them small things so that they can ask their own questions or even find it themselves? Not like answer a big question, but just to be able to help them to form a question. Because I know I love asking questions. Yeah. Um, but how do you find something to form a question to ask? Like, oh, you can look for something like this to ask oh, a question. Oh, I, I see, I so see. So they can participate. Yeah, so the, the, that, that'll come in the pre-study. Uh, so the facilitator is responsible for, you know, spending hours in study. Part of their responsibility is, is writing their questions down as they're doing the study. And those questions are going to vary in their difficulty and complexity. Uh, but if they prepare those questions in advance, now they, they have space to improvise, Right? In the moment, you might realize, oh, the Spirit's telling me to ask this question, but they should be prepared at some level for, for question asking in advance. And so uh, it doesn't have to just be improvised. It just doesn't have to just be in the moment. If you think through those things in advance, then you're going to have types of questions that you can ask, ask anyone. Okay. Sean. Well, I mean, you kind of said kind of what I was going to say, but the super nice thing... Maybe you actually just said the opposite of this, but the super nice thing of this method. This is a Uriah question already, I can tell. Is you, you can adapt it the more, the more you do it to where I usually have only like three questions that I'm gonna ask every single time that are the same kind of question. But other than that, I'm learning based on the group or I'll, a lot of times I'll ask terrible questions and it's okay. Like I realize to myself, oh, that's a bad question. I'm going to rephrase it and play it off and ask a different question. Mm -hmm. But it, no one's like judging you for being a terrible leader. The nice thing is you just keep asking questions and you keep prodding and it's, it's really natural in the way you can navigate yeah. it to where there's freedom for you to do whatever kind of you want. Right. And it's, cl it's clunky in the beginning, but you learn how to do it over time. And, and, and so the, the more well-versed you are at doing this, the easier question asking becomes. And by the way, question asking is, is a, one of the best skills you could ever learn in your entire life. Okay? This is how Christ evangelized, is by question asking. If you could become a good question asker, then, then you actually begin to understand other people. It allows you to understand people and allows you to minister. We are, we're in the people business, so it allows you to minister better the better you are asking questions. Yes, sir, Chris. Uh, you, you refer to a lot of people getting saved in these. It's very evangelistic. Is there uh, like a targeted invitation style like where you go after trying to get, or do you just go through the Bible and they just naturally start picking up and asking questions like, oh, I'm, I'm getting salvation. I want that. Or do you have a strategy to try and, yeah, close the deal, so to speak, or try, yeah. to, try to nudge them toward doing something with the gospel and making a decision? So this is purposely a not closing the deal environment, right? So because it's organic and because it's, because it, it's over time, um, what you're doing is, what you realize is that as you study, uh, Randy, I don't know what you're doing right now, but you're, 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 you're making people not get to lunch is what you're doing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so... You're not trying, it's not like that. You're building a relationship. They're going to show their cards. That's right. this, is the, this is an environment where they're going to show all their cards. You're going to know how much they know about the Bible. You're going to know whether or not they're saved. You're going to know what, what their church experiences were like in the past and what they think they know. You're going to discover all those things about them. You're discovering things as they're discovering things. They're reading the Bible. You're reading them. And so what happens is as, as you, you know, week after week, you're going to realize, okay, it is time for me to take this person out to coffee and close the deal. They're on the cusp, right? And so, um, 
You've got to make sure that you're navigating that and you're being sensitive to that. You're looking for the lost. You're, you're looking to seek them out. And then you're finding opportunity to have an appropriate kind of, maybe it happens right there in the Bible study. Maybe you just point out, hey, we've been studying for a while and are you actually convinced of your own salvation? And if it should happen right there, you feel the conviction and you've got to strike while the iron's hot, man, you let the Spirit do that and you do that. But then if you, if you recognize that they're on the cusp, they're afraid to reveal something, they're hiding something, they're, they're afraid to confess it in the group, man, you take that person out and you meet with them as soon as you can, don't wait, and then you ask them the hard questions necessary to get them there. And, uh, and I believe that it, it'll work that way. We've all heard this adage, if you manipulate someone into the gospel, someone always can manipulate them out of the gospel. And so we want them to be convinced of the truth. And it doesn't mean that we don't ask prodding questions, but if we're trying to get the sale and we're trying to use all the right words to where they're like suckered into the gospel, someone else is going to trick them out of it. So we're not trying to trick them into following Christ. We're wanting them to be convinced of Christ. So that sometimes takes some time. Okay, so... There may be other questions, but you can come speak with Dan and I. Um, but Dan, will you pr pray us into lunch? I hope this has been profitable. We're going to hear about creation of Christ tomorrow from Dan, and uh, uh, that'll be very, very good. Yeah, I'm excited about that. But Dan, uh, will you pray us into lunch, please? Father, we thank you for this morning. It seemed to be very profitable, and uh, I thank you for everyone who had studied this material already, who was ready to lead us and facilitate their groups. God, I pray a special blessing over their lives during this uh, kind of busy week. Thank you that they spent the time to get alone with you during this week, during a time where a lot of us are just wanting to get fed ourselves, and yet they spent time to feed others and to instill an attitude of worship around your word. Thank you for them. I thank you for Brandon and, and uh, his friendship to me and his great desire to see uh, souls saved, saints sanctified, um, God, and, and all of us edified in the faith that is found in you. Uh, thank you for the food and for those who prepared it. I pray that you would bless our time, whether we gather here, whether we meet with a missionary uh, in one of the rooms, uh, or whether we, we go our separate ways. Lord, I just pray, Lord, have, a, have a, um, a joy with us having a joy with one another. Would you, would you find it to be pleasing that your saints are dwelling together in unity? We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.